0: Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, and um, and you can remain seated. I think uh, I'll read uh, just a short passage and then we'll pray and then uh, we'll reread it here. But verse 5, it says, uh, um, And the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to us today. God, we want to connect with you. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. And we're so thankful, God, to turn our hearts and minds towards the price that you paid, the the salvation that you brought, and we just want to to remember today, God, spend extra time remembering what it is that you've done for us, and who you are in our lives, and we worship you, Jesus, and we praise you. I'd like to go back through this passage and start at verse one, Um, and it says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. We didn't read the verse, but. You'll notice in the book of Matthew here, and, and as he tells the story, that when Joseph, or not Joseph, when Jesus was placed in the tomb, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there as well. And I think that's a little insightful because we had a couple witnesses standing there saying, I know that he went in. But then the third day comes around when um, and the Jewish people would think, hey, wait a second. If he's really dead, he's going to be dead after three days. We've got to check on him. And, and they showed up. And they're there. And they're waiting. And they're coming to see. You know, is, he, is he dead? Or is he alive? Or what's going on here? And, and they had brought you know, spices and things. They were going to take care of his body. But it says, And behold, there was a great earthquake... For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Ah, oh, I, I like to enter into these stories because there's something so powerful in that moment. The, the, the days before uh, um, we had had the, the, the trial and Jesus had been beaten and the disciples had fled and And yeah, we look at Peter, and Peter's the one that Jesus spoke to and said, hey, you're going to deny me, and you're going to flee, but then all of you are going to flee, and and this is what you're going to go through. And the disciples were like, oh, no, 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 we won't do that. We won't do it. We won't do it. Peter wasn't the only one that said he wouldn't do it. The rest had. And and later we see these men when they're on the road to Emmaus, and, and they're beside themselves, and they're like, hey, don't you know what's happened around here? Don't you know what... What we've gone through and Jesus was walking with them and he's like, oh, wait a second. Let me talk to you a little bit. But that story is insightful because these guys were struggling. They were having a hard time. Their world had been as turned upside down as anybody's world could possibly ever be. It was the lowest point in some ways you might think For humanity, it was also the highest point. But in their lives, can it get any worse than this? The devils of hell thought, hey, we've won. We've won the battle. The three hours that the sky was darkened, I think, really represents this. And and so you have these guys here. And everybody else is down and out. And yet, you have that, and that angel comes down, and you have that earthquake and that shaking, and, and there's there's nobody really around, and you have a couple ladies that show up, and that stone gets rolled away. And he says of them, he says his countenance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow, and as the guards and the guards shook for fear of him and became dead like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for He is risen, as He said. Mm. As He said. You know, God always comes through. God always comes through. I don't know about you, but I seem to be... I'm a little slow. Sometimes I think I'm two french fries short of a Happy Meal. And it's just because God has done so many things for me in my life. And yet I'll be like, what about this one, God? <laughs> What's going on here? And, and I've shared my testimony with you about my house. And 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 I love mowing my yard back there, even though it takes me a long time. Because as I'm mowing it, some, that seems to be if I'm going to grump about something, I'm going to grump while I'm mowing. And I'll be grumping to God. <laughs> Just because you drive by and see me mowing doesn't mean I'm grumping, but I'm out there and I'm doing this, and, and I'll look up and I'll see the house, and God will be like, I gave you this house. I did this for you. Well, how am I going to make this happen here, God? I took care of this. Don't you think I won't take care of that? I, I was asking him one day about some stuff, and and I'm like, well, God, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't have this situation where where I'm so impoverished and I have these situations, but I would like this. And, and God's like, hold on, hold on. Who do you think gives to Warren Buffett? Who do you think blesses the wealthy as well as the poor? And I was talking financially. And it felt like God really pressed on me to say or told me, you need to trust me with everything no matter where you are in life because he is the provider And when he tells you something in your life, when God has spoken a word, he doesn't come and play little cat and mouse games with you and pull it and jerk it back. Oh, hallelujah. When he told them that he was going to rise again, he was going to rise again. And the God that rose again to save your soul is not walking out on you. He's your God. He's your savior. He didn't go through all that to say, oh, you hurt my feelings. I think I'm done with you today. That was rude. That's not what God's like. He's risen, as he said. But then the, the angel said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Come see the place. When you're looking here in Matthew chapter 28 and, and you look towards the end of it and um, And we we see the great commission here. And, And Jesus tells us, or tells us, says, All authority, Jesus said and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things as I have commanded you. I thought about that passage and I thought about it in reference to Matthew chapter 13. Verse 37, there's a story there, 37 through 43. And and he's talking about how he who sows the good seed is the son of man. He's uh, going through the parable he had shared about the, um, the wheat and the tares. He said, the field is the world and the good seeds are the son of men, but the tares are the son of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil and the harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. I'm not going to break down that whole parable or that whole story. But I thought of these two passages. You've commissioned me to go into the world. I've got life ahead of me. And you've told me what it's going to be like. And there's an enemy out there to get me. Life is hard. And it's difficult. And it's a struggle. And you're like, how am I going to make this? And God, how can I squeeze something more into my life? And and sometimes you don't actually need to squeeze more into your life. You need to take something out of your life. But you're like, how can I do this? Can I take another thing? God. Oh, I want somebody to know that God is with you in your struggle. He's been with you in your problem. And that that tomb may have looked like the lowest place in life. They took Him down from the cross. See, you could take a walk. And you could walk over there. And you could stand over there at the cross. And you could think about all the beatings that He went through. And the crown of thorns on His head. And how they spit on Him. And how they parted His clothes. And the darkness that reigned. And the rejoicing of the enemy that occurred. You could walk over there to the tomb, and you could, you could look at that empty tomb, and you could think, you know, my Lord, my Savior, all the hopes, all the dreams. The one thing you won't find on the cross or in the tomb is Jesus. But you can stand there and know that He was in the middle of the worst condition ever. And so when you think about the enemy and you think about everything that you've gone through and you could look backwards and say, man, oh, I don't know how I was going to make it or how are we going to get through that thing right there? And you look. I want you to know that God saw it. He was there. He was in the middle of it. And He went through the struggle and He went through the trial. He's been there. God has been there in your problems he's been in your situations the empty tomb in so many ways represents your past that cross represents what went on oh some of you have had chaotic families some of you have gone through abuse by your fathers and by your mothers. some of you have gone through sexual abuse and mental abuse and 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 some of you have had friends that turned against you and you're like that thing occurred oh it was like a cross for you And Jesus was with you in those moments. And you say, well, how could he be with me? And yet I had to go through it. Sometimes we don't understand it. And I'm not going to tell you today that I can explain it all. Or that you'll ever have a clear revelation. But I can tell you that I know the one that knows. And he is going to come in and bind your wounds. Just be patient with him. And walk with him and trust him. And he is going to make you so that you will not remember in the sense of the pain. It won't have to sear across your brain anymore. If you will just be willing to connect with him and say, okay, God, we need to go through some things together. And you are going to look because of an empty tomb in a place where he suffered, he was bandaged, he was wrapped up. He went through the struggle. So I think about that empty tomb and that empty cross. And and it represents all the pain and the hardship and the struggle. And with that, in Matthew chapter 13, I've talked about this parable some lately. But as you go down that page, you'll hit verse 45. And before that, he talked about the field. But verse 45, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who, when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Last time I talked about this, Brother Khan, you mentioned to me the special thing about the pearl, and if I can speak this correctly, is you can't find it and then polish it up and cut on it and shape it and find a rough rock and then, oh, now it's beautiful. No, the pearl is made in that clam. And when you find it, it's rare. It's the way it's going to be because of how it formed in the clam. And I see a merchant in the middle of a mucky, messy world that has, um, that has the enemy out there that's so in discord and trouble. And, and you look at your life and it just looks a whole mess And yet the merchant says, if I'm just going to dig through all of this, I'm going to go through whatever garage sale i got to go through. I'm going to go through whatever flea market I've got to go through. I'm going to go dumpster diving. I'm digging through it all because there's a pearl down in there. And I'm going to pry it out. And I'm going to get it. It's the pearl that I want. And that pearl is you. And you would look in the mirror and you would see all the trash heaped on your life. And you would think you're the ugly duckling. And God's saying no. You're a prized possession. And you're worth everything that I have. And I'm going through it for you. I'm going through it for you. And so he pulled you out of muck and mess. He rescued you. And he saved you. God is for you. He's for you. He's for you. But what jumped off the page at me was the angel had said, he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And then he says, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Behold, I've told you. Oh, what does Galilee represent? It's not Jerusalem. The Holy Ghost is going to be poured out in Jerusalem. The church is going to be born in Jerusalem. They're going to experience Jesus on the inside in Jerusalem. But Jerusalem is where the the tomb's at, and Jerusalem's where the cross is at, and Jerusalem's where the trial was at, and and you're a bunch of disciples, and, and you didn't come from Jerusalem. God brought you out of Galilee. Oh, so many of them came from fishing for fish. And they had left that three and a half years before, and they had journeyed with him, and they had gone all over the countryside. And they traveled back that way and up and down. And, and now the hopes and dreams that they've all had were just crushed. And a Mary is coming along. And she's saying, ha, ha, I ran into him. An angel told me. And right after this, then they run into him. They're like, hey, Peter, I just want you to know and the Bible has highlighted Peter in and out, all four Gospels. I just want you to know he says he's going to be in Galilee and that you need to remember that he told you that. And, and Peter, you know, he had run with John to try to see this empty tomb and to, to catch it and to catch a glimpse. And, but they, they're coming along and they're like, Peter, Peter, he said he's going to be in Galilee. Oh, what is it about Galilee? Why did Jesus tell them? I'm going to Galilee. Why didn't he say, just wait in Jerusalem? Just wait there because I'm going to rise again and I'm going to meet you right around the corner. Why didn't he tell them, I'll meet you in the upper room? But Jesus didn't say that. He told them to be in Galilee. It was in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31 through 32, then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Mm. Church of Omaha, pastoral team, Lucas, my wife, my family, all of you. Sometimes you may be in a spot with God where you feel like you've been made to stumble. You may have somebody turn against you. You may have a church situation. I'm sorry, you guys didn't want to know that, that stinky people come into church and people do stinky things. And, you know, the devil, he even, he showed up in the temple and tried to make accusations right there, standing right beside the the, the angel and, and and yeah, he goes to war. That doesn't mean you don't come to church. You come to church. You get to peop, together with the people of God and you worship God. You have nothing to fear. But that doesn't mean that you ain't going to think you didn't have some setbacks. Right after Jesus was baptized and the heavens opened and everyone heard him declare, he went to the wilderness. There's struggle that can come along. And Jesus told them, Hey, I, God, robed in flesh, I'm gonna cause you to stumble here. You're gonna struggle. But then what did he say? But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Why Galilee? Oh, I can see it in Peter and I can see it in John. You know what? I've been struggling with this and I'm going back to where I grew up. I'm going back to fishing. You know, I had repented of that thing like 50 different times. But it looks pretty good right now. And Jesus was simply saying, I'm going back to where you're already headed. Oh, you thought, hey, I'm leaving Jerusalem. Oh, how do I bring this about? Oh, he already knew what they were thinking. Oh, you think you're walking out of this. I'm bringing you back to Jerusalem. I'm bringing you back to a mountain here and I'm going to be carried up. I'm bringing you back and you're going to go to an upper room and be filled with my spirit. But first, I'm going to meet you where you thought you were going to flee to. Oh, I'm going to meet you in your sin. Oh, you thought you would walk out on God? You thought you were going to give up on this and you were just going to go back? And what is he saying? You know what? I'm going back. And when you get to your job tomorrow, I'm going to be at your job. I don't know. Maybe some of you have done this. But you thought you were going to go back to the world. And when you got to your old habit or your old haunt or your old friends, you got there and Jesus just started pushing on you. And he said, you thought you could leave me behind, but I'm right here. Oh, we can flip over to when they were out fishing. And they're in the boat. And there's a, over there on shore. You know what Peter had done? He had denied Jesus by a fire made out of coals. And so the Bible tells us that he is on the shore with a fire of coals. And he's like, children, do you have any meat? Oh, you've come back here and you're on the shore. And you're out there doing your back to fishing for fish. And I just want to know, oh, do you have any meat? And Peter, he comes there to shore. Then he's, wait, it's a fire of coals. (laughs) Jesus didn't have to say, remember when you denied me. And then you could look over and see me through the window. And I was looking at you. And judgment was there. That's what it was. That picture, when Jesus was on trial, here's judgment. Over here, here's Peter by a fire of coals. He's denying. He's cursing. There's judgment. And in between, the creator of the universe has positioned himself by a window. That building was built with the window right there. The fire was going to be out there. God saw all this beforehand. Hallelujah. He saw all of it. And between judgment and sin stood Jesus. And he turned and he looked at Peter and Peter's heart oh it hit him it pricked him oh I did it I did what I said I would never do and then we find Jesus by a fire made out of coals once again I met you that night Peter and I'm meeting you again but instead of somebody saying to you are you the one does your speech betray you? Who do you think you are? Why, did, didn't you follow him and you're cursing and denying? Jesus says it's my time to speak. Do you love me? Do you love me? Oh, isn't he a great God? Can we give him a hand clap? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. he says before I go before you in to Galilee before you ever get to where it is you're going maybe you think you're walking out on God maybe you think hey, we've got a new situation we're facing maybe it's a calling or something that God's brought you to Norfolk he puts you guys in Norfolk he put you there Danny and Rebecca and you're a, you're a foundation there God is reaching that city and He knew everything you were going to go through before you ever got there. And He is all ready there. I go before you. I go before you. Jesus, he, he didn't just tell them that beforehand. But He then had the angel tell them that. And that was in verse 7. But then verse 9 it says... And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. I'm going to be there. You're going to find me. You're going to see me. I'm in your moment. I want to just pause there. I'm going to find you there. I'm going to be there before you. When I came into the Church of Omaha, I sat right back over here. Actually, I sat by Nate Rippey. And I was just so thankful that I could be here. I was at the lowest place in my life at that time. And I thought, man, God, I I had dreams. I thought, man, Lord, am I going to preach one day? Am I going to pastor? No, all that was gone. I used to mow the churchyard. I used to visit people on Saturday. I taught Sunday school. As I've told you, I led service, like actual singing part of service. Um, and I did I did those things. And it was it consumed my time. I taught Bible studies and I was I was it was my weekends, that was all it was. I'd drive two to four hours on Sunday picking up and dropping off. And I went from that to boom, doing nothing. Why? Because of my sin, my situations and my, my, the things I had gone through and and I thought God if I could just be in your presence if I could just go to church if there could be a place for me on the pew, <laughs> you know God did not walk out on me but he was showing me you, you think you have a plan a and you failed the plan B no Lucas Your life is what matters. And I'm shaping you and directing you. And shaping you was more important than you being what you thought you were going to be over here. I needed to work some things out of you and show you. And so before I ever got to the church of Omaha, he was right there. He went before me. Oh, I drove across those mountains right before that out in Montana. I was all alone, and it was one of the greatest God moments ever as he settled in that car and rebuked me. (laughs) You know, he doesn't have to give you too hard or spank too hard for you to get it. He's just like, I just want you to know this. And he put that out there, and and he got a hold of me. I began to cry and say, God, I'm sorry. But before I got to Montana, he was there. At that mountain pass and when I drove up and over the voice of God spoke into my life Bishop I know you have many moments and I'm not saying you were in trouble when you did that but that God spoke into your life and you all have that too and some of you have been denying those moments but God has been speaking to you he has gone before you and so he tells him not once not twice, but three times. Three times. And so we go through Matthew chapter 28, and we come to the end. And he said, Go ye therefore. Well, let's just back it up a little bit. But he, he says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Ah. He's saying, Hey guys, I'm God. And I've got this. Oh, isn't this powerful? He's Matt, he's saying, I've got all power and authority. Sister Powell, first lady, he's got it all. All there, you don't need a dictionary to look it up. It means all. He means I went down into the pit, into the grave, and I took death. I took a hold of Hades. I got a hold of hell. He told us I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Boom, I kicked him out. Oh, I went ahead, and you thought it was the lowest point, but I was grabbing a hold of sin. And I was taking everything that had separated you from me. I have all power. No one else has dominion on this earth. Jesus is saying, I have it. Oh, there isn't no, uh, um, no devil in hell. There's no other being out there that has some say over your life above me. But I've stepped into every situation. And I've taken complete control. So what is the one thing that he doesn't seem to have? And that is God is a gentleman. And he, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. But he has told you, he's come to you and he has not shoved himself into your life. But it's up to you to just open up. You to open up and you be willing to just share yourself. You have to to be willing to to, to go there with him. You have to be willing to say, Hey, what about this Jesus? What what about this part of my life? What about this struggle? He has all power and authority. But he is not going to make you right now turn over your life to him. That is a you choice. He can take care of your addiction. He can take care of your, 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 your family feud. He can take care of your anger. He can take care of the things that bound you. He can heal you of your past. Yeah. But if you want to keep it, if you say, but I like this addiction, and I'm not saying that anybody stands out there and says, hey, I like my addiction. Some do, I guess. But if you're, you might be saying, but, I, but internally, you're like, that, that flavor, that, that thing, I want that. And Jesus is, he isn't going to seize it from me. But if you'll say, God, I need all your help. And I can't do this. I can't do this. I, I can't do it. God will step in. And he'll come in because he has all power and authority. And so don't you tell him how he needs to do it. Just go ahead and say, God, I need you to do it. I've had some things in life that I wrestled with. And I got down, and, and I apologize, you guys have to hear my stories, hear my stories. But I got down with God, and I said, God, I need you to take care of this. I've crawled from the back of the church to the front of the church. I literally crawled. Don't think me crazy, okay, guys? Nobody else was here. I checked that out first. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Maybe I should have been so absorbed in God I hadn't checked it out. But, you know, I was like, God, I really don't want anybody to hear me right now. (laughs) And I got down. I was like, God, I need you. And there's something that begins to come over you. And you begin to just bare your heart. And and it sounds gross. And the snot can run. and The tears can go. But you make your way up. And why, why would I come here? Why is it here versus there or home? It doesn't really matter. But there's something about putting into your physical action the thing in here. And as you take a step forward or a crawl forward and you begin to reach out, oh, you're in your spirit. You're saying, okay, God, I'm right here. That's why it's important and we have an altar call because when you get up out of that seat and you say, okay, you're saying in your spirit, I don't want to be held by this sickness. I don't want to be held by this this addiction. I don't want to be bound by this hatred anymore. I'm getting up out of my seat. Because you have all power and authority, and you gave your life for me, and I'm coming towards you, Jesus. I'm coming towards you. i coming towards you. And so he tells them, he says, I think I'll go over to the new King James here, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things as I have commanded you." You wondered how you could make it. You wondered how you were going to get out of this whole struggle, and this mess, and this past. God has always been for you. God has gone before you. And he stands there saying, I have all power and authority. And I'm sending you. And you think, wow, that's a terrible place to go. But remember, he has all power and authority. And he says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I've been for you. I go before you. And God is for you. Ha- Some of this it might echo back for you. But how did we open up with the announcement of Jesus' birth? Emmanuel, God with us. And what does he tell us here? He says, And I am with you. Hallelujah. Oh, at Christmas we celebrated. God with us. And when He was taken up, He said I'm with you. And not only is He with us, but when He fills us with His Spirit, He's in you. And so with you really means with you. Oh, hallelujah. You can imprison me and put me in bonds. You can call me all the names that you want. You can come at me from out here, but you can't take away Jesus from right here. I am with you. Hallelujah. Give him a hand clap. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Oh, oh. He's not in the tomb. He's not in the cross. But He's in you. He's with you. He's right here. He's gone before you. He's taken care of your past. And when you get there, He's going to be there. But He's with you right now. Oh, give Him another hand clap. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Oh, sickness may rack my body but they can't take me away from you, Jesus. Oh, I may not know how I'm going to make it, but they can't take you away from me, Jesus. Oh, no matter what we go through, you're with us. God is for you. You don't have to be afraid of the terror by night. You don't have to be afraid of the accusation that comes against you. And you don't got to be afraid of your past you know what your past is? It's diamonds in his crown. You know what your your dirt is? Oh, it's his, you've given it to him. And the devil says, look at your grossness. Look at your mess. And Jesus says, oh, look at it. I got it right here. I took it. Oh, it's it's my mercy. I love him. And they gave it to me. Oh, I had all the diamonds. I had a cattle on a thousand hills. I had every mountain and every universe I wanted to make. But I didn't have their sin. But they gave it to me. So would you look at that? Can you see him over there? Uh, you see those football players and they got a, You see that? That that sports jock walk in and they jangle everything right on their letter jacket. You see the king of glory? He's like, "Look at this. <laughs> I got theirs." I got theirs, I got theirs. And old Lucifer's like, how could you stoop yourself down to do something like that? And he's like, that's what I do because this is real praise and this is real worship. Oh, let's give him some love and we'll close out this thing with love. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you. If God be for us, who can be against us god bless you come back in here we got about three-